0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I am Christian Sager. So I had an epiphany a couple days
1: ago that's completely turned my life around and it spawned the idea for this episode. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, for the last Mm, almost 20 years. <laughs> I have believed that if you drink too much green tea, you will eventually start hallucinating. And uh it all came from a horror story that I read in college in a class. And my professor didn't correct that. A uh, false assumption that was in this story, we talked about the story and its contents, but we didn't talk about the fact that you can't actually hallucinate well we'll get into that you can but but uh green tea was at the time victorian era assumed to cause people hallucinations or hysteria
0: huh you know this is this is interesting because uh, I believe there was uh this American life that aired years back, yeah, and the at least the opening bit was about these little. Uh, mistaken ideas that we sometimes have in our head, like stuff that's, it's not important enough that it gets uh, completely ruled out or corrected yeah. early on, and, but you end up just holding on to it. Like in the, in the, the bit, uh, there was a, there was a particular woman who always thought that unicorns were real. Oh like yeah. She just, she didn't really look into the matter. She just had it in her mind that this is a real animal. I have totally met people rare. who've
1: thought they're real too. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, this was like that. And I, I was so embarrassed when I realized the truth. But, um, I mean, it's not like I've avoided green tea. In fact, I'm drinking it right now as we're recording this episode, but, uh, I, I've made sure like I don't drink too much because that's <laughs> what
0: I had learned in this class. Well, I mean, moderation and all things, right? And it, it doesn't seem like it, it's that unrealistic. There are plenty of substances where if you drink too much of it, weird or bad things can happen. You know, not to people who drink alcohol tend to know. Do not drink too much alcohol. Yeah. If you yeah. drink too much coffee, you may get a bit uh, jittery and weird. So the idea that if you drink too much green tea, you might have uh, some level of mild hallucination. It's not unrealistic. And it turns out that there's
1: a little bit, a little bit of truth to it. But mm-hmm. the the whole myth just spun completely out of control, Uh, dur- like I said, during the Victorian era, but primarily because of this short horror story called green tea by Sheridan La Fanu. Uh, he was an Irish writer of Gothic mysteries and ghost stories. Um, this story was first published in the United States in 1945, but it was originally published in England in 1872. It was in his collection called in a glass darkly. Uh, and just for context, that publication that was only a year before he died so he was kind of at the end of his life uh, i i was rereading the story for this episode as well and the story contextually i think takes place much earlier than that i think it's like the beginning part of the 19th century
0: and this is very much a st- Duffy British ghost story, wouldn't you totally, say? Totally. Yeah. I mean, not, not, to, not yeah. to hate on that type of ghost story. Sometimes that's exactly what I'm in the mood for. Yeah. But this is a, a British intellectual encounter, something kind of weird that challenges his Britishness, but ultimately his Britishness is enough to overcome the anti-Britishness.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, this is one of those rare stories, especially for the time, too, where it's a horror story, but... It, uh, chooses science over the supernatural mm-hmm. it, it, for its explanation, which is where the whole green tea thing <laughs> comes from. Although it's just, it turns out that the, the scientific explanation in this story was just as, uh, superficial.
0: Yeah, I love a good, ultimately phony scientific explanation in an old horror story. Yeah. There was a horror movie uh, years and years back, I guess the 1970s, um, Horror Express. Did you ever see this? No. Wonderful film, it has Christopher Lee in it, oh. uh, Teddy Savalas. Uh-huh. Kelly Savalas. uh, a Siberian Train. This is a hammer movie? I believe it was. Okay. And there's a, there's a, like a an undead Neanderthal type creature. Okay. And it's, it's a lot of fun, but the, the big scientific moment is when they discuss that you can like look at the molecules and you can basically look at an eye under a microscope and yeah. see the things it saw or something which is just <laughs> completely <laughs> ridiculous and totally blast me out of the movie, even in a horror movie about uh undead Neanderthals. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I I think I, you know, that would be an interesting uh, thing for us to tackle is like scientific misassumptions that we've we've had over the years from various like sci-fi fantasy <laughs> and uh, uh, horror explanations for things so the story green tea goes like this i'm going to spoil an almost 150 year old story for you here so brace yourselves uh there's this guy named mr jennings he's a clergyman and he keeps seeing the evil spirit of a monkey uh and he turns to a doctor for help the Doctor rejects the idea that something supernatural is happening. Oh, and this is Dr.
0: Heselius,
1: by the way, who's yeah. a, a reoccurring character. He is, yeah. It, uh, the whole book, the whole collection of short stories are are written from his perspective, I think. And he's kind of like, he's like a proto-Sherlock Holmes, but mm-hmm. he's a doctor. and he But he knows everything. And he, like, he does that Sherlock Holmes thing where he, like... Uh, se- just like says a bunch of facts about people without, uh, them like telling him anything just uh-huh. to like show off how smart he is, mm-hmm. uh, how, how logical he is. Anyways, yeah, so his whole thing is th- there's nothing supernatural happening here. What's going on is you've been drinking green tea for years every night before you go to bed, Mr. Jennings. And it's, uh, in your nervous system. And that's what's making you see this evil monkey. And it eventually drives Jenning to, Jennings to commit suicide. Uh, and the end of the story is essentially the doc. What, what, how, do, what, how do you say his name again? Haselius? Haselius is how I was reading it. In my okay. Mind. So he, you know, basically is like, well, there's one for science, like it's too bad that he you know killed himself, but he seemed like a good man, but that 's what happens when you drink too much green tea.
0: you know I have to say when i when I went into this story and i had not I had not read this one previously, this one was uh-huh. new to me. I was expecting a far more racist and xenophobic tale, yeah, and it it really doesn't have um, it really doesn't have much in the way of xenophobia or racism at least on the on the surface well there isn't a lot of if I remember correctly, they
1: don't even really reference the sort of Chinese origin of tea in it that much, right? Right. Yeah. Like
0: I I went back through it and I did the word search. And it's like, all right, let's see if there are any specific mentions of Asia or China yeah. and not so much. It uh now it does raise a couple of questions that I think um can point to certain, uh, you know, mild uh, racist or xenophobic ideas, such as if drinking a lot of green tea makes you see ghost monkeys, <laughs> then does that mean? Everyone in in Asia is walking around seeing ghost monkeys. Or yeah. is just the the average street in China is just littered with ghost monkeys. They're just yeah, it's just a part of everyday life. And this one guy just couldn't
1: handle it. The it, the ghost monkey isn't really that malicious. I, in fact, I think there's yeah. even a scene where he like goes to touch it and his hand just passes through it.
0: Yeah, I mean maybe it's the equivalent of the little. Uh, you know the, the little uh, uh, waving cat toy that you see everywhere. Right. Well, you just get used to seeing ghost monkeys everywhere, <laughs> menacing you. I think um, I
1: think what it speaks to about the context that this was written in actually is that xenophobia wasn't overt, right? It was just like the Chinese and the origin of these products was invisible in English society at that time, and so they just didn't talk about it, didn't think about it, didn't even consider. Oh well, we have uh problems with green tea here but what why would we even think about what's happening with the the people in China drinking it right oh. i think that i think that's what my my explanation would be for why they're not in there but there's there's some real interesting stuff contextually going on with green tea at the time and so we're going to we're going to establish that first and then we're going to take a look at what's actually going on with green tea with well, the caveat that Robert and I quickly found uh, researching this episode. There is a lot of research about green tea out there, like, oh, yeah, too much for any one human being to read in a lifetime, I think.
0: Yeah. If you follow any particular science news outlets or if you you look at the studies that are coming out, green tea is just always hitting it. Yeah. Uh, it's like green tea, coffee, and, and red wine, pretty much. Yeah. If you want to find a study on any of those three things that relates to any particular part of your anatomy or life or functionality <laughs> as a as an organism, it's out there.
1: It reminds me of this Lewis Black bit that he used to do about milk. And he would talk about He's <laughs> like, yeah, the study comes out and it says milk's good for you. And then another study comes out and it says, milk's bad for you. And it switches back and forth like every week. And he's just like, I don't know what to do with this. You know, (laughs) that is a terrible Lewis black. But, uh, but yeah, basically green tea is kind of the same except for the, uh, now we're not getting that many studies that are like green tea is bad for you. We're getting, Oh, it's so good for you. It can do this. It can do that. It can do this.
0: Right. Yeah. It's the level to which it is good. Yeah. That's in question. Yeah.
1: So, uh, but what was going on at the, at the time that Green Tea was written was basically the medical field was really pulling away from the supernatural and, and hyper-focusing on science. So that's why, you know, we've talked before about how, uh, like trace this back a couple hundred years before this to John Dee, mm-hmm. where the, the science field at the time very much incorporated aspects of the supernatural into it. Now, at this period of time, as Victorian era, uh, they're pulling away from that, really focusing on science, so they're saying voices and visions that are seen by people were really they were associated with a false perception of their senses rather than actual ghosts or demons. And some of the ideas that surrounded this were connected to human blood and how it circulated from the heart to the brain. So they're trying to be sciencey, but they were just, you know, it wasn't very yeah. empirical. The idea was um, that, like, when you hang your head down and then you quickly raise it up, you know, you see spots or lights uh because you're getting a head rush. And this Victorian kind of science explanation was like, oh, well, that's that's gotta be the explanation for problems like this green tea situation. So yeah, the the story itself seemed progressive for the time, right? Because he was like, aha, there's no such thing as a ghost. It's like scooby doo at the right. end. He's like, there's <laughs> no ghost, it's green tea. Uh but the the medical logic is not correct at all. And here I am almost 150 years later, and I totally bought it for a good chunk of my life. Um So what was going on was by the 1870s, there was a shift away from green tea toward black tea. And the reason why was black tea was cheaper to produce uh, because it was sourced directly from British plantations that were in India and Ceylon. And therefore, consumers thought that it was more likely to be of high quality because they knew where it was coming from. Like these were British managed plantations. Right. And that it was being cut. uh with all kinds of weird things, various plants, iron filings. We'll get to that in a minute. Going back to this story though, we gotta to turn to one of our stuff to blow your mind, uh, experts that we often summon up. He's been a, a former guest on the show, ST Joshi. Oh yeah. And, uh, he wrote in his, uh, unutterable horror book, he has a long section about the story green tea and Lafanou's writings. And he says, Quote, there's a certain amount of evidence that in a story written only 10 years after the publication of Darwin's Origin of Species, the monkey represents from a Christian perspective the rejection or at least the potential for the rejection of God and the entire Christian worldview. So that maybe puts a little bit into perspective about this whole science versus supernatural thing. But then also, I didn't realize this. He points out that Le Fanu was apparently a follower of this Christian, uh, like, off group called Swedenborgism, I think, and, uh, named after a guy from Sweden whose last name was Swedenborg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't have a lot of time to dive down that chute, but apparently, uh, Joshi sees green tea as being like a morality tale from the
0: standpoint of somebody with that belief system. Huh. Interesting. You know, I ran across a a 2009 gender studies article by this guy, Daniel Lewis of Ball State University, and uh, he argued that the story is ultimately about the need for a closely guarded and bound male body and identity Hmm. at the time. Okay. Uh, read a quick quote from it here, says uh, Heselius argues that there is a fluid whose nature is spiritual, quote, though not immaterial uh, that circulates through the brain. It is through the abuse of various substances, quote, green tea is one that enables a surface of the brain to be, quote, unduly exposed on which disembodied spirits can operate. Uh, contained within Heselius' theories are a warning for men against the use of foreign substances like green tea. But we can add the exposure to foreign texts and ideas as well that serve to unnaturally expose areas of the body. To be healthy, the male body must be regulated, controlled, and closed off, not leaky like Jennings' body at the end of the story. Huh. That's an interesting argument, especially
1: in lieu of what I was just earlier saying about like the invisibility of the Chinese in this story. There's there's no discussion about them or the origin of this tea. Uh, So that's sort of like, he's implying that, Exposure to, uh, foreign ideas or materials is the, the idea behind this story, right? The sort of mm-hmm. the menace behind the story. But at the same
0: time, like, it's never explicit. It's just a completely implicit horror story. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think on the whole, like, the threat of the farm, because of course, foreign things do change you. They open you up to new ideas, yeah. and that's wonderful. I I wholly embrace that. But, uh, but at the time it's interesting to draw that distinction between green and black tea when black tea right. itself is an import it is a foreign thing that has been uh, acquired by the colonial power as has so much uh, in the in the uh, the domain of the the british empire
1: yeah and from what i was reading you know ultimately this just comes down to making money yeah. uh and that like black tea was Uh, you made more money off of black tea because it was drier and it was subsequently easier to pack into a ship. So you could, you could pack more of it for travel and selling it, uh, in Great Britain. And then there was also the factor of they were saying, well, once we get the green tea over there, we want to make it last a little bit longer. So mm-hmm. we'll add some, I don't know, hazelwood or we'll add uh, uh the iron filings I mentioned earlier <laughs> into it. And so everybody was drinking this adulterated green tea to the point that apparently like when when uh unique sellers would would stand up and say, like, we are only selling pure green tea, people wouldn't believe it was green tea because they'd look at it and go, ah, eh, that's the wrong color. I don't want that. That's not actually green tea.
0: Interesting. I mean, it, of course, it's one thing we'll touch on again and again here is that ultimately a tea is any hot water that has something added to it. Right. Uh, herbs or and, and, um, you know dried leaves or something. Uh, it, you have various concoctions that are technically a tea. Uh, if you want to get get even more vague with your definition, just a cup of hot water without anything in it can be and has been referred to as t yeah. uh, in in various texts particularly in, uh, in 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 chinese texts
1: yeah i can, i have a a friend I was telling you about um, before we went on air, who's like a tea nerd. He's like really mm-hmm. hardcore about his tea and he would argue that's not true. Like it has to come from the specific <laughs> plant. It's only tea that like uh, stuff like, you know how you go to like the grocery store and they have like breathe deep tea or stress relief tea oh, or yeah. whatever. Well, that doesn't have the specific plant in it. It's just a different, you know, amalgamation of, of herbs. Right. And he's like, that's not tea. Like he's very strict about that, <laughs> but you're right in other cultures people you know tea has a
0: lot of different meanings well, well, let's get into it. What is green tea let's let's define the potential monkey summoning substance here, okay, so
1: all green tea is the unfermented product of the camellia sinensis plant. might be saying that wrong again, my Latin not the best. Uh, but green tea and black tea are technically made from this same plant. But in a less processed green form, there's a higher level of the original substances that are in that plant, which is why we have these arguments about, well, green teas is, is really good for you because it has X, Y, and Z. And we'll, we'll dive deeper down those chemical roots, uh, no pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, uh, later in the episode. But yeah, essentially it's just, it comes from this one plant uh and then it's you know developed in various ways like i said black tea's drier green tea's wetter or at least it was in the victorian era
0: yeah and it's it's worth pointing out too that that black tea is actually red tea in several ang- asian languages including uh, mandarin chinese mm. so in mandarin uh green tea is lu cha and red tea is hong cha so essentially that's red tea yeah and it does have a reddish appearance to yeah, it definitely. yeah definitely i I wonder where the black came
1: from other than just, like, the difference between the actual uh, loose, dried tea.
0: Or um, it, it may, I guess, have to do with uh, just, the like, the uh, the fact that uh, many Asian teas, like we're discussing, they seem to be uh, a weaker concoction. Yeah. And yeah. the um, you know, the Westerners get a hold of it and they want a stronger, blacker concoction. Yeah. This but was, even then, it's like, do you ever have tea that's just really black? No.
1: Especially when you think about coffee in relation, Mm -hmm. but like, like I was saying this before we went on air, I drink my tea really, really bitter and I leave like a bag in. Uh, basically until I'm done drink, either drinking from the cup or from the cattle. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't mind it. But the, like you said, like, you know, sometimes I'll go to a Chinese restaurant here in the United States and they'll serve tea and it's, it's fine, but it's like incredibly weak compared to what I normally drink at home.
0: Yeah. Now, of course China is 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 the sort of the, the, the birthplace of tea culture it is yeah. uh, it has a rich history of 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 tea cultivation and and use recreationally socially uh religiously in uh, chinese mythology tea is a is uh, sometimes attributed to the second mythical emperor of uh, the 28th century bce uh this is uh Xin nong shi who uh, actually came up in our cannabis episode oh if you yeah remember him. so this is the the Guy tea to, and uh, weed, yeah, <laughs> well, see, this is the divine farmer, ah the founder okay. of Chinese herbal medicine, gotcha and if if you remember from that past episode he either he either tasted hundreds of herbs or thrashed them with his magical whip in order to learn their properties that's ringing a bell, yeah, yeah. and according to one legend, he consumed seventy poisons in a single day in order to bring herbal medicine into the world, huh. Now, as far as tea goes, the story is that he he sat beneath uh, a camellia tree, and he boiled water for drinking. Again, drinking hot water as uh, as long been a practice in China for for a number of reasons. But the short answer is that it's supposed to be good for your health, right? But then dried leaves fell from the tree into his uh, mug of or bowl of water. So he smelled it; smelled good. And presumably he'd had 69 or fewer <laughs> poisons that day. So he said, what the heck? I'll give it a taste, yeah. see what this is like. Uh He he liked it. And uh, the rest is history. Uh, there's also a story from Chinese Buddhism uh, in which uh Bodhidharma, the uh, 5th or 6th century Chinese patriarch of Chan Buddhism, it, he is supposedly the source of the first tea leaves. So according huh. to okay. The Practice of Chinese Buddhism by Holmes Welch, Quote, the first tea plants are said to have grown from Bodhidharma's eyelashes, which he cut off to keep himself awake during meditation. Interesting. Hmm. Now I want to have some
1: eyelash tea. I wonder <laughs> if you can get that at Whole Foods. It's very pricey yeah. to have uh, <laughs> you know, a, a Buddhist patriarch's uh, eyelash tea. Well, by the time it was first introduced in England in the mid-1600s, it was mostly green, like what I was saying. And it remained really popular, Because both doctors and the temperance movement were recommending it because they're saying, hey, this is an alternative to stuff like beer. You should drink green tea instead. Uh, and that's where it, you know, it had the surge in popularity at first. But then, like I said, because of these sort of machinations behind the distribution of green tea. Then the the rise of black tea came along. And
0: I think that's why
1: today you see more black tea.
0: For yeah. Sale I mean, and we you think tea. of black, I mean, black tea is essentially British. Right. At this point. like yeah, English the fact breakfast. That it's inevitably a foreign import.
1: English breakfast. I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's certainly that's uh, when I think of black tea, that, that and Earl Grey are the first things that pop into my head.
0: All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to steep some more tea. Uh, maybe you will as well. And when we come back, we are going to get into this hallucination issue. Can green tea really summon the monkey spirit? OK, we're back.
1: So the reason why this hallucination rumor got started in the first place and why LaFenu latched onto it was there was. An actual medical journal article published in 1839 in the British medical journal, The Lancet, which is pretty well known mm-hmm. even yeah, today. today. Uh, and it was by a guy named George Sigmund. And it was on the positive and negative effects of tea. And he wrote that while green tea did have medicinal properties, it could cause stomach problems and a, quote, fluttering in the chest. <laughs> Uh, and he cited a paper that he had read in Glasgow Medical Journal of a woman who experienced excruciating stomach pain and symptoms of hysteria, where she was shrieking and she was perspiring from her forehead. <laughs> I like that that's one of the <laughs> symptoms. Um, and they attributed it to her drinking green tea on an empty stomach. And they said, oh, they, they, you had an empty stomach and you didn't dilute your green tea with milk, cream or sugar. Uh, so the way they calmed her down was by giving her, and this is a direct quote: six grains of solid opium and
0: four drachmas of tincture. <laughs> the, the green tea was way too much for you. Here, have some opium. That you know, this is something that came to mind in uh, in reading the story yeah. because if you want to think about. Asian imports to Britain yeah. that can give you a, an altered state of mind. I mean, there's opium right there. Right. You don't even need to mess with the green tea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and certainly, I mean, there was, uh, you know, opium distribution in England at the yeah. time as well, too. So yeah. A- again, another like thing that was just kind of ignored by Lafanu in this story. Uh, but the real problem, like I said, was that the tea people were basically distributing adulterated tea, right? So, Uh, you had this situation, uh, like I said, iron filings, there were also plants like hawthorn, And then the other thing that was, uh, making them adulterated was the dye that they would add to them. So you had vertigris, Prussian blue, Dutch pink, ferrous sulfate, copper carbonate, and then my favorite dye to use on tea, sheep dung.
0: Uh, Uh,
1: and apparently the sheep dung was the one that was the least harmful to the people drinking it. Uh, it was so common, oh, and this is what I mentioned earlier, it was so common, these distributors, when they tried to actually put out the real thing, people would say, nope, that's the wrong color. Please add some sheep dung.
0: Wow. If only they had thought to promote, uh, what is it? Is it gamancha? Where have you have the toasted rice and the green tea together? Oh, I don't know. So wonderful tasting tea. They yeah. They've just been promoting that. No sheep dung required.
1: Well, Yeah. I don't know. There was all kinds of stuff going on with uh, the, I mean, this isn't just tea. Like we're, we're highlighting tea in this episode, but there was a lot of like weird uh industrial food practices that just weren't good for people. back. Un- then. Unlike today. Where we're, all of our oh, yeah, now food, all our food is perfect. Actually, we're going to come full circle back around to this again <laughs> by the end of the episode. Um. So, okay. So this, this causes the reputation of green tea to grow worse. Green tea, the horror story doesn't help. Green tea, All right. Yeah. It's got caffeine in it. It's a stimulant. It affects our entire central nervous system. And that probably helps us with alertness, right? But there is evidence that in some extreme cases, caffeine can cause nervous twitching, hallucinations and anxiety. And excessive caffeine can cause tremors, dizziness, confusion, insomnia, restlessness, agitation and an irregular heartbeat. But. Let's be clear here. For green tea
0: to do stuff like this to you, especially hallucinations, you have to drink a lot of it. Right. And you have to be the kind of person who is uh, is is more likely to experience hallucination. I mean, yeah, hallucinations can occur for a variety of reasons, uh, not all of which involve illicit substances. And s- some people are just more prone to experiencing hallucinations than others. Like, right. I have found that I am I, I seem to be particularly, uh, adverse to experiencing visual hallucinations. Mm-hmm. I, I've never experienced a visual hallucination in my life.
1: I don't think I have either. Other than, well, you know, I was blind that time. The story yeah. I told in the exorcism episode last, actually, I guess it would be a couple days ago for you guys listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> other that, than that. <laughs> I think the sky turned the, the, the night sky, the black turned red for me once, but that was okay. about it. That, that's, that's the extent. No, that's good. no crazy goblin monkey spirits, anything. That yeah. Now I
1: kind of want a monkey spirit. <laughs> but, uh, so there was a live science article actually that came out in 2009 that I referenced for this to just really like nail down what's going on with caffeine specifically, which seems to be the only way you can hallucinate off a of green tea. Uh, if the article there, they, they did a number of tests on people drinking various uh, doses of caffeine and h- how much it would take for them to hallucinate. It was people who drank the equivalent of three cups of brewed coffee a day are the ones who are more likely to hallucinate. And that translates into, uh, I believe, nine cups of green tea. <laughs> so, I mean, I could see it. I probably don't break three. In a day oh I,
0: I regularly break three and yeah so I think yeah a lot of it comes down to just susceptibility yeah I but can't
1: is it tea or coffee for you because you drink coffee right
0: generally it's coffee yeah uh, and, and often pretty strong coffee
1: so you maybe maybe that's where the red sky came from you had too much coffee
0: well <laughs> that, that's one interpretation um, it, this also makes me uh, think back to the Futurama episode where fry drinks all the co- the cup cups uh, of coffee I don't, I don't know this one Yeah he has uh, something like he gets unlimited co- cups of coffee for the day or uh-huh. or a certain amount And he spends he spends his uh his tax refund or uh, <laughs> on on, uh, on coffee and he drinks uh-huh. all these cups of coffee and there's a ticker at the bottom and he reaches the point where he drinks so much coffee that time stands still and he's able to save the day and rush in Russian and get everyone out of a burning building You
1: know that may explain a lot to me about one of our colleagues Holly Fry, who's yeah. a big fan of Futurama uh, and drinks more coffee than I know anybody else, at <laughs> least in this office. But I, she drinks a lot of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe she's just trying to make time stand still. Hey, aren't we all? It's true. Uh, so back to this study, the researchers found that people with a caffeine intake that was as high as nine cups of green tea or three cups of brewed coffee a day – Whether it came from coffee, tea, chocolate or whatever, energy drinks or pills, they had a three times higher tendency to hear voices and see things that were not there than those who consumed the equivalent of this much coffee. Right. So this goes back to your point, which is that there are some people who are just more susceptible to hallucinations or visions or hearing things Mm -hmm. than others. Uh, And. So subsequently, they found that those people within their study were the ones who were really susceptible to getting hit by this caffeine. Uh, The other explanation that's connected to this seems to be tied to caffeine increasing stress, which causes our bodies to release more cortisol. Mm. And so the explanation was that people who drink that much caffeine are more prone to mental health associations because of this amount of cortisol in their Mm.
0: systems. They're stressed out to begin with. Yeah, I mean, when you start trying to tease apart the way we perceive the world, uh, which, you know, you can certainly get into the argument that that all perception is essentially hallucination. Yeah. And what we call an hallucination is just an an abnormal version or a skewed version of that. Yeah, there's so many factors that determine that. So you could have coffee having a direct role or an indirect role on that manifestation.
1: Maybe we need to do like a that's, – maybe that's our next Facebook Live is just you, me, and Joe drinking caffeine until one of us hallucinates.
0: See who hallucinates first and <laughs> let the, the viewers bet on it. Yeah,
1: yeah Exactly. So I see you got something interesting here, uh, connected to the Church of Latter-day Saints, which it, we seem to be uncovering a lot of really fascinating facts yeah. related to them. Yeah,
0: this is, I mean, if you have a rich, uh, uh you know, not a, a deep history, but you still have a rich, a rich history there. And uh, this is something that I found when I looked in Oliver Sack's excellent book, Hallucinations, which is always one of my go-tos anytime we, yeah. we cover a, a topic that gets into, into hallucination. Now, Sachs just passed away this year, right? Uh, Yeah, he recent, did recently yeah. pass pass away. In this book, he does not really discuss tea much at all. Uh-huh. Uh, so I wasn't able to pull out any wonderful nuggets of caffeine-related hallucination. But I did find a, a wonderful tea anecdote. Uh, he points out that, uh obviously, members of the, the Church of Latter-day Saints abstain from tea and coffee. Mm-hmm. However... On the long march from the Mormon trail to Utah, the pioneers who had eventually found Salt Lake City happened upon a roadside herb, which they brewed into what is called, has been called Mormon tea. Huh. Now the herb was actually not, none other than ephedra, which contains ephedrine, which is uh, chemically akin to amphetamines. Yeah. And hallucinations are sometimes an adverse side effect to ephedra. Interesting. So, so that's a, you know, a possible hallucination scenario there from drinking tea, and again to come back to what we were talking about earlier, anything essentially unless you want to get really specific with your uh, with your with your definition of tea. Any hot water herbal concoction is a tea. So there's coca tea. There's, there's opium tea. You can, you can brew a tea with various psychedelic substances right. such as, uh, uh, mushrooms with psilocybin. Ayahuasca. And, yeah, exactly. These are all ways to get a tea that, uh, more or less is guaranteed to give you a, an, an altered state of consciousness, if not possible hallucinations.
1: Mm, another Facebook live episode. Us, <laughs> us doing an ayahuasca ritual.
0: We can have the three cups and we'll be like a ball cup game, except instead of a ball under the cup, one of them is, Iowa. I think we would quickly figure out who got which one. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but so, you know, let's review here for a second before we move on. Seems like the verdict, can green tea make you hallucinate? Probably not. I mean, yes, there's enough caffeine in it that if you drank a lot of it, it's possible, but let's look back on the green tea story the The idea there was that this guy was continually drinking green tea over the course of his life mm-hmm. he was drinking it every night before bed and that that built up somehow i guess in his bloodstream and that was what was causing him to see the evil monkey huh. uh it, it doesn't work like that it, it you know it's a it's a one one dose situation i think right in terms of that like you you have to at the time be drinking
0: at least nine cups yeah green tea is not they're not deposits of green tea in a lifelong tea drinker's body that are building up. Yeah. Uh, you know, you kind of get into the similar area where you have the idea that, the the drug use uh, alcohol and drugs that they're stored in your fat and the, yeah. the only way to free yourself from those uh, is to to sign up for some sort of a like a sauna based program where you're going to sweat all of that out of your your fat cells it's like um uh reminding me of like
1: sci-fi scenarios to where people take stuff and then it like their body's like an incubator for it and then like they turn into basically like a harvesting system for it, where people just shove uh syringes <laughs> in them and draw out you know green tea at
0: of the blood <laughs> all right well on that note we're going to take another quick break and when we come back we will explore the uh the, the actual health benefits of green tea and what some of the science says about it so if you're a green tea
1: drinker especially you're probably aware of the commercial nature of it being healthy at mm-hmm. least here in the united states um, it's heavily advertised as being you know, great for you for a variety of reasons. We're going to go over this. Like I said, there's just a ton of literature out there, but we're going to go over it and kind of review what it does and what it doesn't, at least in terms of direct evidence. So first of all, it is full of antioxidants. And as such, it's linked to health benefits like a lower risk of stroke and some types of cancer. Uh, it's also become very popular because people drink it, Wishing to prevent cancer and health uh, heart disease, but there are studies that argue back and forth about these properties, and the experts say there really isn't direct evidence yet to confirm anything like a hundred percent um and in fact, there was an interesting uh write-up about the health effects of green tea in the Salem press encyclopedia, and the guy who wrote that basically said, "Look, uh, I only trust it if it's a double-blind, placebo-controlled study, uh, and and you have to do that. And he, he said the one that he looked at that did prove something, although he wanted more evidence, was that green tea makes short-term improvements in your cholesterol profile. Uh, But those ben- benefits disappear after four weeks. Hmm. Now, what wasn't clear to me was like, is it like you drink green tea one day, it helps you. And then if you stop drinking green tea four weeks later, those benefits go away. Or is it like if you're a continuous green tea drinker, you get a one time four week yeah. uh, decrease in cholesterol.
0: Yeah. And then it's just back. And
1: I, I couldn't I couldn't discern that from what he was saying, but one way or the other. This was like the one study. He was like, this one's for real guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, a lot of the the health marketing around green tea and just sort of like the, the general idea that green tea has healthy qualities that kind of floats in the atmosphere around you. I I have found myself uh, being influenced by that at times where I'll, I'll be in the office and I'll think, Oh, should I, or I'll be at home. Should I have green tea or should I have coffee? And uh, the, the little the voice of the, I guess the monkey will whisper in my ear and say, green tea's a little healthier. Yeah. Maybe not much, but maybe just a little. Who knows? But you like green tea, so why don't you just go ahead and drink it and you'll feel like a little bit healthier.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I man, I'm not gonna stop thinking about that monkey for a while now. If you follow us on social media, I posted an original illustration somebody did of the monkey oh, yeah, splashing around inside a cup of green tea, and I asked people to guess what we were doing the episode on, and the responses were hilarious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, monkey's gonna be our new mascot, maybe. Oh, by the way, I also asked the monkey. I
0: said, uh, "If I drink the green tea instead of the coffee, does that mean my teeth won't get, become stained?" Right. And the monkey said, "No, they're still tannins." God, yeah. The guy, your, your teeth will still get stained, even though it's green and light. At least he's uh, he's honest. Yeah, he's, he's very truthful about it. All.
1: <laughs> now we we'd have to ask the monkey about these cancer predictions, because mm. regarding pr- cancer. It seems that green tea shows promise for treating things like cervical dysplasia and reducing the risk of prostate cancer, but again, there's conflicting evidence about whether it has any effect on stomach cancer, for instance. Likewise, researchers haven't found reliable evidence that it reduces breast cancer, although there's some quote, weak evidence that it decreases Recurrence of breast cancer, so maybe not preventing, but if you've had breast cancer, you have to drink uh, apparently at least three or more cups a day in order to for the recurrence to be staved off. Now, there's some other disease treatments. And I honestly, there are so many, we might miss some here. So please let oh, yeah. it, let us know if there's if something you know that we don't. But one study looked, for instance, at how effective gargling green tea is at preventing influenza. Uh, it showed that those who did this were less likely to develop influenza. Okay. And less likely to find friends to go have tea with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also some preliminary evidence that it might help prevent colds and the flu. Okay. Uh, weak evidence that chewing green tea candy can reduce gum inflammation if you have gingivitis. It's also been proposed as a means of preventing liver disease, but uh, the evidence isn't all that convincing there. Now, remember, like I said, it's got caffeine in it. So, of course, it does affect our entire central nervous system. This produces alertness. There's also uh, a couple other substances that are important to note here that are in green tea. Theobromine, which is a smooth muscle relaxant. And there's also theophylline, which is a smooth muscle relaxant that specifically can cause restricted air passages to open. So it's been used to treat asthma and it makes breathing easier. So, again, I I have asthma. And I was like, hey, you know, maybe again another check in the column for okay i'll drink more green tea now <laughs> um so yeah another study on green tea is that the polyphenols within it may help prevent skin cancer if they're applied directly to the skin so i think like you make like a polstice or something that you, yeah. you you put on your skin this may help protect the skin from sun damage but not by physically blocking ultraviolet light by prote- but instead it protects your cells from it so it's it's not keeping the light from hitting your skin it's doing something to your cells that prevent them from being damaged by the light well there seem to be no shortage of of green
0: tea infused skin products out there oh uh,
1: yeah i mean that's the thing is there's green tea in a
0: lot of stuff right now i
1: th- i think i
0: have shampoo with green tea in it yeah, pretty yeah sure. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen that as well. Now, I've, there have also been studies that have found associations between consuming green tea and uh, reduced risk for several different cancers. We've mentioned skin already, breast, uh, lung, colon, uh, esophageal, bladder. Uh, there, there have been a lot of studies. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, there seems to be an association there. Again, nobody's arguing that there is a magical property in green tea that is just wiping out cancer cells left and right. But there is this one
1: amino acid in it called L-theanine mm-hmm. that seems to be pretty powerful. Uh And I I went through an academic paper specifically on this, its properties in green tea,
0: and, and what it's potentially doing in the brain. So we'll, we'll cover this as well. This one's a big uh, – L-theanine comes up a lot with supplements. You can go and get yeah. plenty of – just either straight up or L-theanine-infused supplements.
1: Well, what's interesting about it is, you know, those other studies focused mainly on physical disease, right, cancer and uh, disease treatments like influenza. But uh, this amino acid relieves anxiety and calms us but then it also improves our alertness. So on top of the caffeine, you're getting some alertness from this as well. Mm-hmm. It closely resembles the chemical glutamate, which signals excitation in our brains as a neurotransmitter. So L-theanine does the opposite as of glutamate. It, it binds in the same receptors in our brain as glutamate and therefore it blocks them from receiving its effects. This inhibition is assisted by it also stimulating the production of the neurotransmitter GABA, G-A-B-A, which also has calming effects. So between those two or three, you know, side effects, uh, apparently green tea
0: calms you down. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you have three or four different supplement bottles there all yeah. present in, uh, readily available and cheaper green tea. Yeah.
1: Uh, now, the benefit here is that unlike taking in anti-anxiety drugs, green tea and the L-theanine within it produces the alertness instead of sleepiness. So it doesn't impair your motor behavior, for instance. So I don't know if you're driving and you're stressed out, but you don't want to fall asleep. Drink some green tea. Yeah uh additionally it seems to prevent the abrupt rise in blood pressure that's associated with stress and this is good because it prevents arterial damage from the surging blood pressure in your body and that's not something i like to think about that i don't know for some reason that that squicks me out the idea of just like my blood pressure like pushing so hard that it's like ripping my vessels apart <laughs> that's a, that would that would
0: that's that's a horrifying
1: image. Yeah, it seems unpleasant. There is also some evidence that it influences how genes are expressed, specifically in the amygdala and the hippocampus. And these, rem- remember, are the parts of the brain that are associated with fear, aggression, and memory. So it could be used to treat stress, but also PTSD. There's some people huh. looking into green tea and uh how it might help with that. This, again, we keep coming back to this, reminds me of MDMA and the theories surrounding that, treating uh, PTSD. So it's currently the subject of human studies also with patients who have schizophrenia. So there's some idea that it might be able to help them as well. And get this, we know stress affects cognition, but not only does L-theanine reverse that kind of impairment due to its relationship with glutamate, but it may also be able to prevent damage to brain cells that is induced from exposure to toxic levels of aluminum. So like if you're breathing in a, <laughs> aluminum mm-hmm. and it's like potentially causing brain damage, if you theoretically, if you drink green tea, it can prevent that damage from occurring. Uh, it can also reduce the impact of having a stroke. A stroke is where there's blockage of blood to our brain. This results in the death of our brain cells, but L-theanine signals our endothelial cells to constrict or relax appropriately as our blood's flowing. So go back to my my horrific imagery earlier. Your blood vessels are basically uh, accommodating for the rush of blood, no, no matter what its uh, I guess velocity, the yeah. velocity <laughs> of blood is. Uh, and specifically in animal studies, if you administer L-theanine up to 12 hours after an animal has a stroke, it can protect their brain cells and reduce the size of their damaged brain areas. Hmm. So it seems like it's pretty potent stuff. There's definitely something going on here with green tea. Uh, it, OK, so we've we've determined it's probably not going to make you hallucinate unless you binge drink it. Right. Uh, and then and even maybe then, maybe, maybe yeah. not, uh, do, and not it, do not attempt to hallucinate just by binge
0: drinking <laughs> green tea. I, yeah. I assure
1: you, we're not advocating. For you're going to get that. sick of green tea before you see anything funny. <laughs> um, but then, like, even though science hasn't really nailed down the, the research on this, there seems to be a lot of good qualities to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I say, you can pretty much. Look for a green tea study about anything and you may very well find it. Uh for instance, I, I was looking around, uh there's there's a study out there about the effect of green tea on supplement absorption. Uh there's a there's a particular study, 2015 looks at green tea as a way to improve MRIs. Oh. Uh they received researchers in this case successfully use compounds from green tea to help uh image cancer tumors in mice. Uh, also, I've seen where it can help fight glaucoma. Mm, okay. Really, the, the studies are all over the place. We, we yeah. could do an entire podcast, yes. just on you know episode after episode of green tea. studies Every
1: green tea research that has come out, yeah. yeah.
0: But we're we're not actually going to do that.
1: Yeah, that's a that's another show for another <laughs> network. Um. All right, let's close out then. Does it have gr- health benefits? Seems so. Yeah. Will it cause hallucination of evil monkey spirits? Doubtful. Probably not. But, uh, let's remember that this is being pushed pretty hard commercially right now. So much so that manufacturers are currently offering the extracts in pill form, right? We see these in like, uh, supplement stores and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you could probably even get them at the grocery store at this point.
0: Oh yeah, you can buy this stuff on Amazon.
1: But, uh, you should know, and, and this is where it circles back again to those, uh, guys in the Victorian area throwing, uh, iron filings and, uh, Prussian blue into their, <laughs> and cheap dung into their <laughs> green tea. In a 2006 analysis, uh, that tested green tea extract products, they found that some of them were contaminated with lead. Oh. Uh, and this, Or something else about these specific extracts is potentially leading to liver inflammation. So, again, like everything in moderation.
0: Yeah. And it comes back to a theme that's come up a lot recently. It came up on uh, the second dangerous food episode that uh, Joe and I did is that. Green tea is a food product. Yeah. Know where your food products came from. The the more the more processed, the more unrecognizable that food product is, the more I'm not saying it's definitely bad, but the more questions there are to potentially answer there.
1: This is true. Every time I eat a vegetarian meatloaf, I wonder what's actually in this. The
0: meat of a, of a vegetarian, of course. <laughs> if only that's another horror story. Yeah. And you know, th- this is a, something I meant to bring up earlier. I feel like the green tea short story that we started with. Yeah, I th- the way that it was inspired by this article in the Lancet. It it makes me think that had this been the nineteen seventies, sixties, or fifties, the green tea would have definitely been a B movie or an exploitation. Oh film, yeah, because that's yeah. where you you often see these ideas and these new. New studies sometimes, at least very weakly, resonate for the first time. Uh, this is the first place that the the uh, sort of the media, you know, collective consciousness actually uh, thinks about it for a
1: second. I, for one, would really like to see like an exploitative green tea uh, <laughs> horror movie. But uh despite that. Let's let's learn from my mistake uh, and and know that you can drink this stuff and, and it's going to be OK. Like you're not going to start seeing evil monkeys anytime soon. Yeah. Although, uh, please, if anybody out there wants to send us our new avatar of the green tea, evil monkey, we, we won't uh,
0: discourage that. I would also love love to know, does anyone out there drink their green tea regularly out of a hideous monkey mug? That would be be perfect. Very nice. I kind of want one myself.
1: All right. So tell us about uh, your monkey mugs or send us your monkey images. Uh, You can get in touch with us on all of our social platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. And we are on Instagram. Uh, You can find all of those on StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is the mothership. That's where we've got every episode of the podcast, every video that we've ever done, and uh, all of the various blog posts that we've done as well that are connected to the podcasts and other interests of ours.
0: That's right. It's a it's a new year. This is the first episode of the new year that we are uh, recording. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Do you engage in that sort of thing? I don't, but... I- I got to say,
1: after doing all the research on this, I will be drinking more green tea.
0: I feel like I probably will as well. So I'll add that to my my other actual resolution, which is to blind the mechanical eye of every uh, automatic toilet I encounter the oh, entire year. Yeah. yeah. How are you going to do that? Do you have like a, like a, a sewing needle? No, I mean, it, it would be tempting to go complete, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Odysseus on it and yeah. stab it, stab the Cyclopean eye out. Uh, I'm thinking I'm just going to put stickers and duct tape over them. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I think as responsible humans, we have the power, we have the right to flush the toilet when and where we want, when, when we want to flush it, uh, to, to judge the contents of the toilet. And, and actually push a button. Not have the toilet. Go off at odd times while we are potentially setting upon it.
1: You're referring specifically to our bathrooms here at work because they are sensitive.
0: They are sensitive to the point where yeah. it's getting to where I cannot I cannot sit on a toilet anywhere, and the the, the smallest noise in the background yeah. will make me think, oh goodness, this toilet's about to flush. I better hop up yeah. out of the seat you're... because when it flushes here too, the toilet splashed the ceiling. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You're you're in for a a, a hurricane of
0: toilet water. It's mechanical tyranny, and I'm not going to take it anymore.
1: Well, let us know. There's one other way to let us know if you want to support Robert in his uh, fight against the toilets, and that's by writing us at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.